Ryan Reynolds is nothing less than one of the best hitters in all of Major League Baseball right now. And one of the best we've seen from the Pirates in, well, wait till you hear some of these names. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday morning if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins right where you found this. Pirates absolutely obliterated the Cardinals last night in St. Louis. 8-2 score. All kinds of of goodness within that. Reynolds and Adam Frazier, each three for four. Reynolds with four RBIs. Colin Moran with a couple RBIs. Brian Hayes went two for four with a walk and a couple of outstanding defensive plays. All kinds of stuff you like to see, and I'm not even mentioning, just like parenthetically, Chad Cool was really good for a second consecutive start. I'm going to go past all of that and swing right back to Reynolds, who's – it almost feels like I'd be insulting him to say that he's out of his mind right now because he's on some great role. He actually is on a great role. But when Reynolds is like this, at least in the time we've seen him since he's been in Pittsburgh – it's because of a remarkable consistency, a general consistency. If you go back to 2019, when as a rookie he hit 314 with an 880 OPS, he hardly had a slump like through the entire summer. If you'll recall, the beginning of that season when he came up on an emergency basis, it was universally understood and, by the way, made clear to him that he wasn't going to be around for very long. But he was hitting, and he was hitting kind of like this. And he left them, and he knew this and was proud of it. We would talk about it regularly back then. He left them no choice. He left them no choice, and he hung around, made a name for himself, established that he's a major leaguer, was never going back to the minors. 2020 comes along with all the weirdness, the pandemic stuff, the two-month season and everything else. He started off really slow, didn't really catch on until late in the second month, beat himself up over it and finished up at 189, and it was like, what happened to Brian Reynolds? Well, of course, he comes back this year in Bradenton, tells everybody that 2020 never existed, that he knows exactly what kind of hitter he is, and he's going to show everybody. And he's done the one thing that I didn't think was possible this year, and that was to improve on 2019. When the 2019 season ended, I went out of my way to state repeatedly that no one should expect this kind of season from Reynolds on any regular basis because it's not realistic. Not everyone hits 314, especially not 
in this day and age where the pitchers own everything. But what he's done this year, he's slashing 313, 403, and 543. That's batting average, on base percentage, and slugging percentage. The batting average is one point lower than the way 2019 finished up. All the other figures are markedly higher. His 946 OPS, that's on base plus slugging percentage, catch all offensive stat, 946 is significantly higher than his 880 OPS from 2019. He's a better hitter. The home run that he hit last night in St. Louis was his 13th of the season, putting him on a very comfortable pace to top 25 for the year for a guy that you don't even really think of as a power guy. You know, he put one out in Bush Stadium last night. It was 410 feet. And again, you don't even really think about it. You think, oh, yeah, Reynolds just got a hold of one. But you don't think of him as a home run guy, do you? I know I still don't. I'm not acting like I'm above that. I still don't. But if you're hitting home runs at any kind of frequent pace, logic would dictate that you're a home run guy. So he is a home run guy because he's hitting home runs. Here's something else I got for you. This is from Stats LLC, some research that the Pirates commissioned. Reynolds, I mentioned, has a batting average on-base percentage and slugging percentage that are all over 300, 400, and 500, respectively. Here is a complete list of all the Pirates who qualified for the batting title, and for those of you who are really into baseball know that means that you made at least 3.1 plate appearances per your team's games over the course of a full schedule. Here's the, here's the list. This is everybody wearing a Pirates uniform who's done this over the last 85 seasons when they first started tracking this. Ralph Kiner, Roberto Clemente, Willie Stargell, Barry Bonds, Brian Giles, Jason Bay, and Andrew McCutcheon. That's it. And now Reynolds. You know, I wonder if we haven't gotten so caught up in A, Cabrian Hayes' mania, and then B, Adam Frazier leading the majors in hits mania, which, by the way, is still a real thing, that we've forgotten about Reynolds. Reynolds isn't as young as Hayes. He's 26. Hayes is... 23, he's not uh, as due for attention, I guess, having a breakthrough the way Frazier is. But what we're seeing here is, is something special. You know, a lot of people still talk about needing protection in the lineup. Um, there's also all kinds of analytics that completely debunk the notion that protection in the lineup matters. But if you're a believer in protection, ask yourself what Reynolds has gotten. 
for a big portion of this season, it's been just Frazier and Reynolds at the top, you know, because of Hayes and Colin Moran missing so much time. And right now, Colin Moran's actually really struggling. So who's building up Reynolds' big season? You know, who's making that happen? How is it happening? It's all him. It's all him. You know, I mean, do credit, I'm sure, to the to the hitting coaches, to Rick Eckstein. You can't be ripping him when somebody's not doing well and then not give him credit whenever somebody is. But this is just one very confident, very talented young man who's starting to do things that go a little bit past very good and, you know, into that next realm. We'll see. He's got a lot of season in front of him. But the way I'm viewing it, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. He can only add. He can only add. And that's really that's really all he's done since he's been in Pittsburgh. He just keeps getting better. When we come back, just one question. back it's time for just one question and that's always brought to you on this program by the north shore tavern directly across federal street from pnc park home to steak on a stone home to the planet's only fully dedicated pirate sports bar and a perfect place i should add to watch the ball club when it's on the road tons of tvs there focus on baseball Fans all around you cheering for the team. It's a good time. North Shore Tavern, directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. Question today comes from Randy Duncan, who says, DK, what do the Rays and Dodgers do differently than other organizations to be so deep at the farm level? Neither of these teams are picking in early rounds. So is it all about evaluation or boots on the ground in every corner of the planet? Randy, the first thing that leaps to mind with both the Rays and the Dodgers is just that they've got good people. Um, The money that the Rays do spend, and of course they're at the opposite end of the spectrum from the Dodgers in that regard, is on making sure that they hire the best people and they keep those people. The thing that held the Pirates back more than anything else in the 12 years under Neil Huntington and Kyle Stark was the caliber of the people doing the evaluating and the evaluating done at the top by Huntington and Stark themselves. One thing that I hear a lot, and I cringe every single time that I do, is that the Pirates were really good at drafting. They just couldn't develop these guys. And people say that because Tyler Glasnow came along and, well, they should have absolutely turned Glasnow into something. Yeah, that's right. But Glasnow is not indicative of the quality of their drafting. Glasnow is a gross outlier <laughs> to what they drafted in general. They have entire classes that were wiped off the map. They were actually quite bad 
in drafting and developing. They did okay in Latin America, but not great there. Certainly not in the area of pitching. And you have to be good at all of these things. You just do. And that's, that's, it's about people. Even when you factor analytics into it, it's still about people. There's a perception, I, I feel, of analytics as if they're just universally accepted and they just take an idea and they run it through an equation and it spits out a universal answer. And that's not it. You have to have analytics people that are thinking, that are thinking outside the norm, that are looking for different traits, different data points than what others might. I'm not as familiar with the Dodgers in this regard as I am with the Rays, just from knowing people who've been with the Rays. And and I know that Tampa Bay's process with this stuff is its own beast. They don't look to other teams as role models. They don't look uh, to mimic or copy other teams' uh, frameworks, platforms, templates. They're looking for their own stuff, and they're looking for even ways to beat their own system. Picture just like a bunch of brainiacs in a building trying to constantly outsmart each other. It's interesting that when Ben Charrington took over as GM, speaking of perception, that one of his first actions was to hire a whole bunch more of these stats guys. And everyone felt like that Huntington was just a a slave to this mindset and that he went too far with it. It turns out he didn't have enough, at least according to his successor. Not that Ben Ben never, ever speaks badly of Huntington. I mean that through his actions. We don't know how good or how bad Ben Charrington's system is. We don't know uh, how he's done to date. I mean, I like a lot of his moves, you know, the transactions that he's made. Uh, I like... His first draft, certainly, there's nothing to dislike about Nick Gonzalez. But how it ends up comparing to the two that you mentioned, which are probably the gold standard. And by the way, Charrington mentions the Rays and Dodgers a lot himself. Uh, It's going to take time. It's just going to take time. Um, If the Pirates are... Pirates fans, I should say, are are lucky. Then the Pirates will compare favorably to these teams. And the Rays, in particular, illustrate that it can be done without spending a gazillion dollars, which is, you know, kind of good in this setting. I appreciate the question, Randy. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates uh, today and all week long. It's a fun show to do. I hope you enjoy it as well. If you do, feel free to leave us a a review, comment, a thumbs up, depending on what platform you are, something that looks positive. You'd be surprised at the impact that that makes on the business. It's not just about uh, us wanting to look at, at, 
at uh, at your reviews and get oh yay I'm good. It's not that. <laughs> We're looking, you know, for the reviews to kind of help us bump up in the search rankings and so forth. It makes a big difference. Thanks again. We'll do this Monday. Mm-hmm.